0: You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Got a great program for you today. We'll be talking uh, with the folks over at the Consumer Electronics Show. That's the, uh, the big show that all us nerds love going to every year in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, this year... It's just online because of the COVID-19 pandemic. That being said, uh, there will be a lot of coverage uh, coming up this week. So make sure you do tune into our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and next weekend's program for uh, all the latest tech updates. But we will have uh, Steve Cohen from the Consumer Technology Association on the program today to talk about some of the sneak peeks of uh, the tech that uh, we'll be uh, hearing launched uh, coming up in the the coming days. And also about uh, Elon Musk's uh, tunnel under the Las Vegas desert. His uh, boring company has uh, dug tunnels to connect uh, a few of the convention centers down in Las Vegas. We were hoping to actually try that out this year, but because we're not going, we can't. Uh, So I guess we'll have to wait till uh, the next show. But let's get into some of the news, uh, John. John, this was a really interesting one that we've been following. And you hear a lot about these conspiracy theories, right? Uh, you know, 5G uh, causes all sorts of cancers and illnesses. And now this one is taking it to the next level. Uh, they say that a 5G chip circuit is in the the new COVID-19 vaccine.
1: Yeah, the one that uh, Bill Gates is uh, going to be using to track you with uh, once you've been vaccinated which is
0: how small, small would that chip have to be to get through a needle?
1: Do you remember that movie, the fantastic voyage?
0: Yeah. Or honey, I shrunk the kids.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Those movies where they, you know, they would just shrink down and be injected into your bloodstream and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the funny thing is, is so this, this uh, circuit diagram has been circulating on the internet and someone actually recognized it as an actual guitar pedal. <laughs> from the <laughs> B- boss and it's a distortion pedal. So you might be vaccinated and you'll sound awesome at the same time.
0: <laughs> Cue the air guitar right now. That's <laughs> the, right. Guitar solo right now. So basically they've been showing this picture of the chip you're saying, yeah. and someone deduced that it was a guitar pedal.
1: Yeah. Because it's not a picture of the chip. It's a circuit diagram of what's on the chip. And it's uh, it's a guitar pedal.
0: I just I, I am just baffled by the people that believe this crap. Like, give your head a shake. Like, yeah. number one, how do you get a chip that small to begin with? Bill Gates does not want to track you. <laughs> like, oh. what evidence? If give me one little shred of evidence, uh, you know, to back this this theory up. I, I would love to hear it, but they never do have this. It's so easy you know. to make these crazy theories and propagate them through social media. And I see them on my own news feed, John, like yeah. some friends I have that post this junk. And, and yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, like what happened? Did you, you fall you and hit? hit your
1: head? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but you know what? You know, the sad thing, John, that, that, you know, conspiracy theory will continue to propagate through Facebook and wherever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say. What other news here we're talking about here on Get Connected uh, this week? Uh, Obviously, a lot of announcements are going to be coming up as far as new technologies. This one was kind of interesting, John. Uh, Samsung had a a big kind of sneak peek uh, this past few days. Uh, A big thing that they're pushing is a new eco remote for their latest TVs. And I don't know why someone hasn't thought of this before. You remember calculators? And you know when they went to solar? Mm -hmm. What a godsend that was. Well, now Samsung, their new TV remotes are solar powered.
1: Which makes a lot of sense because usually the first place I go when I run out of batteries is my TV remote. <laughs> 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 then
0: you can't watch TV, and then you get frustrated and have to take the batteries out of where you put them. Uh, yeah, but
1: I mean, th- this is an interesting idea. Is it going to change the world? I don't know. Um, that the kind of the awkward thing is that you do actually have to t- put the remote upside down, like face down, yeah, to charge it. So. Um, Whether you remember to do that or not might depend. But There at least is a USB-C port on the bottom, so you can charge it if you need to. And I think pretty much everybody's going to have something USB-C related that they're going to want to have on the ready right by their couch, whether it's their smartphone or a tablet or something else.
0: It's interesting uh, when they talked about how long the rechargeable battery that's built into it, they said it's going to last. It kind of gives you an indication how long they're basically admitting that their TVs are going to last. (laughs) Isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So they say that this new eco remote control is going to last for seven years. The battery in it anyway. Right. And they say that's kind of the lifespan of a TV. And I guess it is, but it's sad. Remember in the old days, like our TVs would last for decades.
1: Well, the funny thing is I still have uh, a 10-year-old TV in my bedroom and I have uh, probably a 14-year-old LCD. One of the first LCDs you could buy is in my guest room it still works great
0: good well i do appreciate what they're doing here obviously they're trying to eliminate batteries out of the landfills Uh, they also announced uh, that uh, all of their packaging you know especially on the tv side is going to go kind of brown box they're not going to have all those you know fancy um, photos and colored inks uh, you know on on the side of boxes they're completely doing away with that
1: one thing i i noticed the last time i unpacked a, a samsung TV 2 is they've actually made it a lot easier for the, the box to be opened and broken down they've got some very strategic sort of pre-folding and things like that happen so when you actually pull the box open to get your tv out of the box it's actually um pretty easy to access now as opposed to having to do this crazy parkour yoga thing where you're you and a buddy have to hold the tv upside down to get it out of the box and everything <laughs> like that
0: oh my god i know that's that's crazy uh, okay, we're moving on to the next uh, tech story here on Get Connected. Windows 7. John, I mean, we loved Windows 7 back in the day. Like, it was... Love? Well, you're a Mac guy, <laughs> but I loved it. It was amazing. Um, how, many, how many computers do you think are still running it? Oh, tons. Yeah. Uh, they announced uh, the figures, 100 million machines worldwide still running Windows 7.
1: You know, I actually think that number might be low. Yeah. Because a, a lot of those machines might not even be online as well. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I remember being shocked when I think they released numbers for Windows XP, like well after its end end of life. Um, and But the thing is, I, I know there's a lot of companies that they've got a machine in the back that needs to run some software and they, they can't get off of some of these older operating systems.
0: Yeah, or just the machine is old. And yeah. you know, you don't want to upgrade it because it just will slow it completely down and it's running fine doing the programs that it's doing now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean the planned obsolescence obsolescence thing is, you know, a little frustrating for some people. Like this program works. I don't need to change anything. Yeah. And I know some people just take their computers offline and they just leave it as a dedicated machine for that particular application because it's cheaper than trying to make a newer machine. Uh, work with it
0: no shame in that no no i think i have a couple laptops in a closet somewhere that still have windows 7 on them i don't know why i I hoard these things still john
1: Uh, well my arcade computer my arcade machine that has a windows 7 uh, laptop running it
0: okay and it works
1: fine right it works totally fine yeah for running emulation yeah
0: do you remember quibi
1: (laughs) it's five minutes of of lifetime This
0: was a streaming service that uh, was launched by some pretty big names. Jeffrey Katzenberg down in Hollywood, Meg Whitman, former CEO of uh, eBay, uh, launched in April, 2020, shut down in December. And essentially their claim to fame was they were making short form content, like five to 10 minutes long as far as shows, because people would be watching these on their mobile. Do
1: you remember all the ads for it at CES last year?
0: Oh sweet Jesus! Yeah, there was everywhere. It was so, so, many. It was so many.
1: We weren't even sure if we were going to get it, access to it in Canada.
0: Anyway, it, I mean they they had some big names. Uh, you know, I forget was it Liam Hemsworth with one one of them? Anna yeah. Kendrick, she did a series uh, as well. They did quite a few shows, uh, but it's done. Obviously, they've got a lot of content. Uh, you know who's buying it? Roku. I,
1: I do, yeah. Roku. That's, that's that's a really interesting play for Roku, I think. I think they're just buying the content, though. No, I, I get that, but the the thing is, the content was good. I just didn't. Yeah. I don't. I think the the problem that most people had with it and why it probably failed was the fact that they were forcing you to use your phone in a weird way to watch this content. You couldn't just stream it to your TV. You couldn't just uh, you know run it on your laptop and have it. Um, Chromecasted to your TV or something like that. Like you had to use your phone to do it. And they had these weird little tricks where you had, if you change your orientation of your phone, it would change the orientation of the video and that kind of thing. And it's good to know that at least they shot all these, all this content in a normal way. And they just did some processing to make it work in the Quibi Quibi app.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when they first announced the the overall service, you know, uh, a streaming service for five to 10 minutes shorts, I'm like, who is going to pay for that? You mean like Nobody. you can get all that content like TikTok and YouTube and I know they're trying to, you know, dress it up with, you know, I guess a uh, high production value series and big names. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't think it was a great idea. And then obviously the pandemic hit, right? I think they were betting on a lot of people actually uh, watching this um, this content uh, when, you know, they're out out and about on their phone you know commuting uh or sitting on a park bench for example uh but obviously with the pandemic uh a lot of those instances or use case scenarios kind of kind of died as well so uh you know how many hundreds of millions went into that john it's insane right crazy I wouldn't
1: be surprised if it was was a billion
0: yeah anyway uh good good on roku they got that at a (laughs) fire sale uh prices We do have uh, an awesome program uh, coming up here today. We are going to be talking with Stephen Koenig. He is uh, with the Consumer Technology Association, talking about some of the trends, the tech trends, that uh, we're going to see next week uh, as the Consumer Electronics Show goes online. There's going to be all sorts of announcements uh, from all the big players and a lot of startups about uh, the technologies that they are developing that are going to be coming out this year and and the coming years uh, as well. It's going to be a little different for us because typically we'd be down in Vegas covering this, but now we're going to be sitting in our pajamas, (laughs) in our kitchens, in our uh, living rooms, uh, covering it uh, online. But there's going to be some great stuff. And I really encourage you to visit our website this week to see kind of some of the cool stuff that uh, is going to be announced. And again, that's at getconnectedmedia.com. Don't forget to hit our website, uh, giving away a really cool prize this week, John.
1: Yeah, a YubiKey.
0: This is a, a special hardware USB security key that works not only on computers, but uh, your smartphone as well to give it the ultimate protection as far as passwords and uh, security that uh, will be very difficult to, to break into. When will come back from the break, the hot new trends in robotics and uh, self-driving cars. We'll be talking all about it. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agro here with John Beeler. I have to say, John, a little sad this year. Yes, me too. Uh, This is the time of year, every year, that uh, we typically go down to Las Vegas to one of the best uh, tech shows in the world, the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, Literally thousands of uh, tech companies coming down to show all the coolest, latest gadgets. Unfortunately, with the pandemic and the lockdown, that has changed like every other conference in the world. Uh, And they have gone all digital, which is exciting because we're going to still be able to catch all of the latest innovations. And to talk us through some of that, we've got a great guest. His name is Steve Koenig. He is the vice president of research over at the Consumer Technology Association, the folks that put on CES. Thanks for joining us, Steve.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be with you guys.
0: You're calling out of Texas, I believe, right?
2: Uh, Well, I wish. Uh, I'm a native Texan, but uh, yeah, here home in Virginia, uh, CTA is based in Arlington, Virginia, just across the river from Washington, D.C., so D.C. metro.
0: Some exciting things happening there this month as well. (laughs) You're living in a hot hotspot. Uh, let's talk uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show uh, that is coming up uh, this week. We're excited, uh, you know, already we've been invited to all sorts of uh, online and virtual announcements. How difficult was that for you guys as the pandemic uh, had been raging in 2020 to figure out what to do? Like this is where a lot of uh, business owners and journalists come to find out what's happening in the coming years.
2: Yeah, it was uh it was a decision that was undertaken with just uh, a great deal of thought uh, and, and research and just uh, exploring different avenues of possibility. Of course, like so many of us, uh, the, <laughs> the pandemic and, and the situation thereof just was almost a week to week affair. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we were actually earlier in the year, uh, planning for, uh, multiple eventualities and eventually as you guys know in the, in the late summer we we made the decision and it was certainly the right one uh, to, to just go all digital uh, out of an abundance of caution I know that phrase sounds cliched today but uh, it really is true it just became abundantly clear that this gathering so many people in a, in a in one space was just not going to be possible And nobody's more devastated than than we are as the owners and producers of CES that we can't be there to host everyone but we're delighted that we have uh, an excellent partner in Microsoft who has helped us build this digital event platform it it is unique Uh, we are making history I think with this all digital CES event uh, January 11th through 14th it's going to be incredible and I think we'll really set the gold standard for all digital events because uh, it's just going to have so many interesting features and capabilities uh, rich interaction opportunities for attendees and customers Uh, so although we can't be there in person we'll still be able to get the news uh, get the details we'll be able to network which is uh, something that has been missing from a lot of digital events in this season So a lot of great things uh, to look forward to, not the least of which are are some amazing keynotes from Verizon uh, and GM is just a couple of examples. In addition to about a hundred different conference sessions, which that's probably going to be with the all digital CES. One of the principal ways we take in the show, just of course, apart from the product announcements, these conference sessions providing a lot of contextual, Information and, and telling us more about the, the trends that are happening across the industry and economy.
0: So, Steve, I get, I get uh, you know the the keynotes and uh, the conference sessions. Uh, you, you know to pull that off, obviously, you can do that over video uh, and you know get get that experience, get that information. Uh, for me, I'm I'm sad about the the social aspect, the networking. And you mentioned that you've included that in the digital experience. How are you doing that?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to just say first, I mean, attendees are going to be able to customize their experience. So very similar to uh, when we're in person in Las Vegas, we have a show planning tools that you can kind of pick out key exhibitors and so forth, the exact same thing. But what's very interesting is attendees, you you set up a profile uh, and you can actually request meetings with, with different exhibitors. You'll be able to live chat uh, with booth, you know, virtual booth personnel, uh, as another example, and it gets better. Even just the, this net, you know, peer to peer type networking can happen. You can actually message. And there are options for this. Like if I don't want to be bothered, or I only want certain people, there's lots of different customization options, but you can actually uh, message other digital CES attendees. And, you can set up a meeting for up to 30 attendees in that digital venue environment. So this is pretty unique. I haven't seen anything like this myself. Uh, Really the the most networking that I've seen at digital events in this season is everybody jumps in a, a Zoom room and there's just some kind of general discussion. Uh, far from it at, at, at the all-digital CES, like I described. I mean, that, that ability to, to establish a one-on-one meeting, or if you and a colleague have just taken in the same keynote, you can message back and forth, What it, did you pick this up? Uh, you, know, you can be messaging John and saying, did you hear what I heard, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So some robust uh, ways to interact with brands and interact with other attendees.
0: So the people listening to this uh, program, they hear us, all the time talking about CES, we never shut up about it. You know, especially this time of year. Uh, who who would the the digital version be open to? Like, who can attend this?
2: Yeah, well, this is uh, I think similar to CES. It's it's trade professionals uh, and and members of the press, uh, analysts, and so forth. Uh, so this is the this is the really the, the the thing that defines CES. I think in large part in the in the trade association world. So the same is true with all digital CES. <sighs>
0: Steve, if it's okay, I'm going to get you to hang on the line. Uh, We want to talk to you about some of the trends you're seeing, you know, from robotics to smart homes, uh, computing. uh, Always excited to see what uh, is coming up uh, this year and get your expertise on that. If you'll just uh, hang on the line for us. You got it. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back with Get Connected, we'll talk about uh, some of the cool things we're expecting to see as far as trends down at the Consumer Electronics Show. Down, I mean online at the Consumer Electronics Show. Coming up, mm-hmm. back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike here with John. We're talking about the Consumer Electronics Show. Can't happen in person in Las Vegas. We're sad about it, but they are taking it online, so we will be covering that uh uh, coming this week and you'll hear all about it uh, next week some of the, the cool gadgets uh, and technologies that uh, we'll be exposed to on the line we've got Steve Koenig he is the Vice President of Research over at the Consumer Technology Association the folks that put on CES thanks for joining us again Steve yeah my pleasure so let's talk about some of the uh, the trends that you're seeing uh uh, this year coming up, obviously you're exposed to a lot of the uh, the manufacturers and vendors that are signing up. What what's kind of the 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 big one for you?
2: Well, I think probably the the two most significant trends, and this was this was true last year, but 2021 offers some some exciting developments. It has to be 5G and artificial intelligence. These are two ingredient technologies that are gonna really underpin the the global economy in this decade and there's some exciting developments happening in both camps as I mentioned for 5G we have uh it, this is a, another trend that has accelerated uh, amid the, the health crisis uh, with increasing investment and of course 5G networks growing around the world about 135 commercial 5G networks up and running globally today so it won't be long I mean it takes time to build these networks but already these networks uh according to some research that's been done touch a billion people already and we're still pretty early in the 5g story and i think the reason for that is these networks you know their genesis is t- tends to be in in dense urban areas but a billion people i mean that that's a that's a big number and for artificial intelligence just in this covid season and amid the pandemic uh, we've we've just seen this uh massive digital transformation not just of commercial enterprises but also governments uh, and households uh, across Canada across the United States Uh, people buying into technologies like smart home and so forth so I call it the intelligence of things uh, this new IOT that really describes innovation in this this decade the fact that we're adding intelligence really not just in the consumer tech world but across the economy And those narratives are gonna be at CES because we've got some uh, great exhibitors uh, that you might not expect. Uh, For example, John Deere will be back with us uh, in the all digital CES uh, January 11th through 14th, uh, talking about how they're applying uh, 5G AI to their machinery and equipment for agriculture as well as Caterpillar, obviously a, a heavy industrial equipment manufacturer you're familiar with. Uh, So some very interesting stories here, and and AI just really increasing its contribution across the economy from medicine to entertainment to agriculture, as I mentioned. Those two trends right there, I think, will be omnipresent and are the most interesting to me.
0: So, you know, what I find interesting, uh, Steve, is... What's going to be happening over the next several years? I think we found throughout uh, history, especially in you know the, the 20th century, in times of war and crisis, uh, technology and innovation has leapfrogged to solve some of the, the problems that were occurring during those times. Do you think we're going to see the same thing happening here with COVID as well?
2: Well, That's actually what exactly what we've been seeing and we, we see this oftentimes during periods of economic downturn uh, and or crisis. Uh, we, we tend to see ex- uh, innovation accelerate and even bunch up uh, and as that innovation is, is unleashed on the economy, this is what levels up uh, economies, it levels up consumer experiences, it levels up society at large Uh, And this is uh, simply put, this is why we've been talking about digital transformation so much is that uh, so many pre-existing technology uptrends have accelerated uh, in this crisis. Uh, It's it's almost too many to count. So absolutely innovation, organic innovation, just altogether new technologies to uh, enable uh, solutions for all kinds of things, uh, not the least of which are, are technology to help cope with the crisis. A lot of that centered, obviously, in digital health but also uh, applications of existing technology for new use cases. And one, one great example here is XR technology that is being utilized, AR in hospitals, with technologies like Microsoft HoloLens. With physicians, they can have the digital patient records in front of them. Their hands are freed up uh, and so forth, seeing different alerts and so forth, patient status. Uh, and virtual reality VR headsets. Actually, I mean, we, we hear all the time in the news about these frontline healthcare workers, 12 hour plus shifts, very, very stressful, uh, just pressure cooker environment in these clinics and hospitals. Uh, VR actually being used uh, to, to sue those. I mean, they need more than a coffee break, right? Uh, so VR being used as, as an escape mechanism, just just kind of virtually be transported to either a Uh, a beach somewhere or something like that so they can just decompress uh, and and really get a a good break where they're just in a completely different virtual uh, reality. So some interesting things there and and those two things combined, just organic innovation and applications of tech to new use cases, we've just been been seeing so many stories uh, across the year.
0: Well, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are are down because of the past year. It's been very trying for a lot of folks. Uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of the debt that uh, countries are, uh, you know, incurring to, to keep the economies going. But I, I do have hope. Uh, because of technology and the accelerated innovation that's had to happen over the past year, that will help uh, in the future coming years to to help us uh, uh, lift out of uh, where we are uh, are now. We're talking with Stephen Koenig. Uh, he is the vice president of research over at the Consumer Technology Association, talking about some of the uh, the trends that he's seeing coming up uh, this year. Uh, just just quickly into artificial intelligence. Uh, i think a lot of our listeners they keep hearing this all the time in the the news uh you know it's being used in medical it's being used uh in uh different types of uh, iot devices and computers you know could you explain it to the listeners like what is actual artificial intelligence and why why is it important to know about this
2: yeah well uh great question and uh i'll try to answer as short as possible because there's so many different aspects of of ai but i think i think listeners can can best understand ai as the technology that makes things like voice control uh, facial recognition to unlock your phone uh and other biometrics possible uh it's it's what powers smart devices that that can learn uh your your patterns of behavior in the home, like a like a smart thermostat uh, or a smart appliance, uh, as another example. And really, data is the lifeblood of AI. And AI, I think in its simplest terms, are, are a set of algorithms that interpret that data and then take some kind of an action, uh, be it turning down a thermostat or, uh, turning on a, a display and a lot of the ways that that uh, AIs get this data that they need to operate are through sensors optical sensors microphones and so forth and so this is how AI works and uh, a lot of companies in tech today because we understand the the sensitivities around data and, and how is this collected uh, what what are we doing with it are, are very transparent. A lot of brands are very transparent about how they secure data, uh, how it's collected. So if consumers have questions, uh, they, can, they, can, they can ask a, a retailer uh, or, or more specifically get information online from brands uh, about how data is used. But that's, uh, that's how AI functions in a nutshell.
0: We're talking with Steven, or Steve Koenig. He's uh, telling us all about the consumer electronic show happening digitally when we come back from the break we'll uh, talk about some other trends uh you know he's looking at as well from uh, robotics to even cars you listen to get connected back after this you're back with get connected mike and john here we uh have been talking with steve koenig all about the consumer electronics show in vegas now it's all digital Uh, They have obviously had to adapt because of the pandemic, but we're still excited to be covering it this coming week. And you'll have to stay tuned for next week's show where we're going to go in depth on some of the cool gadgets uh, that we were uh, exposed to and some of the new uh, innovative technologies that are coming out. Steve, uh, let's uh, talk about some other trends. What about robotics? Uh, You know, last year, uh, I think John and I were impressed with Samsung. They had like robotic arms coming down that could cook for you. What other kind of things are we seeing? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to see a lot robotics. Uh, I like to talk about robotics just not, just not because it's, it's cool to talk about robotics, but there actually is just a lot happening in this space. And this is where, whether it's uh, in the household or, or commercially, uh, we're just showing seeing so many different applications, uh, for, for robotics and one, one area that uh, is pretty new, uh, in this COVID season has to, has been these, uh, sanitization robots that use UV light. And a lot of these have been, uh, heretofore have been, uh, very large robots uh, that have been used in commercial ap- applications, uh, certainly hospitals. And, and they just basically blast a, a room with, with UV light that zaps all the germs uh, on all the surfaces that the light touches. So it's a pretty convenient way to just Paint the room with germ-killing light, uh, and very, very effective. And, and I think at CES 2021 we'll see more applications potentially for for household use. Uh, maybe uh, different robotic floor washers that include UV light. I wouldn't expect you know something similar to the commercial variety that just just blasts the whole home. But but maybe Let, let's see. Uh, but beyond that, uh, just all manner of of different robots. We one one trend that is still fairly nascent are so-called companion robots. Uh, These uh, almost like uh, are like a a digital assistant inside a a robotic body. Uh, They can do a lot of different things. I think we'll look for some of those. So a lot happening in robotics and, and, you know, John, you saw the the robotic arms and and so forth. This is kind of getting into more uh, automation. Uh, I remember like a, Uh, a robotic coffee shop I think LG had that in their display in 2020 but yeah a lot of applications for robots and more I mentioned these companion robots and uh, the other commercial market play for robotics has been uh, robotic uh, delivery vehicles for for food uh, for medicine uh, and so forth these are oftentimes autonomous systems Uh, and uh, that's been really important uh, in this season so contactless delivery uh, and robots kind of keeping things safe you know helping people avoid contact with each other as it were Uh, but also restaurants uh, around the world hospitals have been using uh, robotic triage helpers uh, that can speak 50 plus languages they help with intake in the emergency room Safeguarding staff, but also kind of taking the pressure off of them to engage with everyone who comes to the door that the robots can kind of be that first line uh, of interaction uh, and then the humans take over. It all adds up to, I think, just a ton of innovation and more and more and more examples of human machine partnerships, which is what I think we're going to see increasingly as we go through the decade.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing. I mean, it might have been two years ago. Sort of the sort of the start of these robot companions for you know your 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 grandparents or you know uh, people that are basically stuck in a care center by themselves. They don't have as much access, and even now with the pandemic, that's even more uh, difficult. And uh, I can imagine there's probably going to be a boon in in that kind of. Robotic friends, if you will. And you kind of described, you know, this translator, and I was like, I want my own C3PO, you know? (laughs) Like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want their own uh, C3PO or or R2D2 for that matter? Uh, Yes, but I think you're right. And we've seen that at at previous shows over the past couple of years, uh, like robotic pets. Uh, little little puppies and and this can be great as you mentioned for for seniors or just people in this season staying at home but also I think about for kids who may have allergies uh, these are these are hypoallergenic Uh, they can't have a real puppy but maybe they could have a a very near lifelike robotic one and just these little companions so yeah for young or old I think we'll see more of these companion robots we'll start to see Over the next several years, more robots deployed commercially in in hotel lobbies, at airports, and so forth there to assist with information, carry a bag, carry groceries, uh, deliver groceries. Uh, Again, it's uh, what we can expect to happen throughout the next 10 years is just more and more human-machine partnerships.
0: Steve, we're going to have to take one last break. When we come back uh, on that theme of trends in transportation, I want to put you on the spot and and talk about uh, – Elon Musk's hyperloop uh, the tunnel that would have been uh, open for uh, the physical CES uh, that uh, will be linking a couple of the convention centers you're listening to Get Connected back after this Mike and John back for Get Connected. We've got Steve Koenig from uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. He's uh, part of the Consumer Technology Association. I want to talk about transportation now, Steve, and I have to ask you about uh, the Hyperloop. This is a a tunnel from Elon Musk's boring company that he's drilled underneath the Las Vegas sands, uh, linking up a couple of your convention centers.
2: Yeah, that's right. Connecting West Hall with the LVCC and, uh, should, should have been opened, you know, if, if everything had been normal, uh, hopefully we can look forward to, to riding, uh, Elon Musk's hyperloop in 2022 in Las Vegas, uh, at the show. But yeah, uh, very interesting and just another way to keep uh, folks safe uh, and very efficient as I understand, although I actually haven't had a chance to take a ride on it myself. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool, and just another thing to look forward to when we return, hopefully to, to the in person CES in 2022.
0: I guess I should uh, take that step. I don't think it's the actual Hyperloop with the tube uh, car, like the tube trains. It's they're using Teslas in those tunnels, right? From what I understand.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, exactly. It's it's not. Uh, it's not that that full Hyperloop. But uh, yes, they're they're using vehicles to transport. Uh, but, but a lot faster than, than just walking it and a lot safer.
0: Well, I'm excited because now I've been hearing things about uh, them wanting to expand it. Uh, you know, I love rumors, um, like taking uh, it from uh, the convention center up the strip to the airport, uh, even Mandalay Bay, which is like on the other side of, uh, of the strip. And from what I was hearing, uh, you know, with that technology, uh, they could get from the convention center to the Mandalay Bay in I think like three minutes. W- wouldn't that be amazing?
2: Well, that would be amazing. Uh, And I'm sure most folks who attend the CES would certainly endorse uh, a a faster way to to get around town. I mean, the monorail is great. Uh, It doesn't go everywhere. Maybe folks want it to, but uh, more options. I think generally... Uh, folks around, whether CES or just just in Las Vegas in general, people would endorse more transportation options for sure.
0: Steve, I have to thank you for joining us. Uh, really appreciate your time.
2: My pleasure, and we uh, we appreciate you guys covering the show, and look forward to your coverage.
0: Well, you will see our coverage next week on Get Connected. So we'll be talking about all the hottest tech that uh, we uh, are going to be checking out uh, this coming week. This is Mike and John. I also want to thank Christina for helping put the show together. We'll see you again next time.